The Bible says uh, back in the day of Pentecost, around those times that the Lord added to their numbers daily as they preached the word. The Lord added to their numbers daily. And even as we continue with that message, we continue to speak the truth in love, we continue to preach the Word of God in its simplest form. Its simplest form. How many of you know that we can complicate the gospel? We don't need to complicate it. We don't need to complicate the gospel. The gospel means the good news. Well, the good news about what? The good news that Jesus saves. The good news that Jesus saves. We are not lost. We're not orphans. (laughs) We haven't been abandoned. God knows where we are. We haven't gone so far as to escape his view. Amen? Our whole lives are bare before the Lord. One day we will give an account. The Bible says to every careless word. Every careless word. How much more our actions, I wonder. You know? But there is hope and there is freedom. There is joy. Incomprehensible joy. the joy of our salvation, the joy that we know that Christ has redeemed us. And all of the cares, all of the worries, all of the anxiety, all of the fears begin to subside the more we recognize that Christ has purchased our salvation. He bought us with a price, the price of his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's God's desire that we are together with him, that we have relationship with him. All through the word of God, cover to cover, Moses to maps, as they would say, right? Cover to cover, God is showing his enduring love for us. He's showing that unconditional love for us. He's showing that that sacrificial love for us in Romans, it says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I hope that that shows you, I hope that that demonstrates for you the difference between religion and relationship, because there is a massive difference. It's the difference between cold, lifeless religion, going through the motions, 
and that of warm love, agape, unconditional, demonstrative, sacrificial love that welcomes us and beckons us closer. The Bible says, draw near to God, and He will what? Draw near to you. That's what He desires. All through the Word of God. To obey is better than what? To obey is better than sacrifice. He doesn't want us going through the motions, friends. That's not what it's about. That accomplishes nothing. But if we respond in obedience, that shows our love. That shows our commitment. Jesus said to some people that were around him, he says, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? (laughs) You know? There's a scripture that says, they honor me with their what? With their lips but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We're, in some cases, we're doing God lip service. We're saying all the right things. How many of you know that you can say all the right things? You can, you can act the part, you can play the role, but you ain't fooling God. You may fool the person next to you. You may fool the people in church or your family, but you ain't fooling God. He sees what's in your backyard. Right? How many of you, we've talked about this before, in your backyard you keep all the junk. All the junk you don't want nobody seeing. All the motors that don't work. All the projects that you started that you ain't finished. All the parts that you said, I might need that someday. All the, th- <laughs> all the stuff you keep behind your white picket fence or behind your house, the stuff behind your house, so nobody from the road sees it. And in your front yard, it just looks so beautiful. You got all your flowers and your trees and your white fences and, and your, your gnomes and, and all that stuff in your front yard. So it looks so nice and beautiful, but in your backyard, God sees it all. I see the junk you're hiding. (laughs) We're not fooling God. He sees it. We can leave here after putting on a show and go back to living the life that we normally live. It's easy being a Christian around Christians. And it's easy being holy around those who are holy. But when you go home, that's where the rubber meets the road. When you go back to work, that's where the rubber meets the road. When you go back to school, mm-hmm, you get it. That's where the rubber meets the road. And you put your words to wheels in a sense. You hear me? All right? All the stuff that you've been hearing, all the stuff that you've been saying, that's where... It matters the most. 
when other people are seeing your life <laughs> lived out, right? And we're not saying that we have to be perfect because that's, that's not achievable, really. Hence the reason for the cross. Hence the reason for the cross. Amen? The cross of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you've been a Christian all of your life or you just came around and you just recently gave your heart to the Lord. Maybe you haven't even done that yet. Maybe you're still checking this stuff out. Maybe you're still seeing, uh, as the Bible says, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Yeah. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says. Either way, you still need the blood of Jesus to wash over your sins, to make you clean, and to place you once again in right standing with God the Father. And when God the Father sees our sin, and then He sees the blood of Jesus, that the blood of his, his only son is precious to him. And Jesus says, Father, this one is mine. Amen. This one belongs to me. Friends, the difference between religion and relationship is all the difference in the world. It's all the difference in the world. And all of the people that we are in contact with in the supermarkets, Walmart, at the gas station, at the restaurants, all of these people, they're searching for truth. They're searching for truth. And the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they can't see. The enemy, your enemy, the devil, Satan himself, has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so they can't see the truth. They can't see it. So, and we were talking about this the other day when we had the prayer meeting here. When we are attempting to go and reach out and show the love of Christ to these people, to um, unbelievers, we need to keep in mind that there's a battle there. There's a spiritual battle. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual realm, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That has, it paints this picture of spiritual authority in the evil, okay? And so when we are trying to speak and, and show the love of Christ to other people, their eyes are blinded to the truth of God. We need to pray as believers that God would open their eyes. Amen. That God would open their eyes and peel back the veil, as it were, the veil that is over their eyes so that they can't see. Do you understand? 
And in the Bible, it says that unless you first bind up the strong man, you cannot go and take what belongs to him. And in our world, the enemy has laid claim to people and areas. He has laid claim and he has driven a stake in the ground and he has said, this belongs to me. This area, this territory is mine. You can't take it. And he says, this soul belongs to me. You can't have it. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. By all the power of heaven in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against that. We stand against that in the name of Jesus Christ in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb breaks the chains. The power in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And so when we are reaching out to those that are unbelievers. Their eyes are closed. They're blinded by the enemy so that they can't see the truth of God. Their ears have been stuffed and all they can hear is lies. All they want to hear sometimes is lies. And sometimes they've exchanged the truth of God, the Bible says, for lies. Sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know that there is a God that they have to answer to for their sin. I am my own boss. I'll do it my way, as the song goes. You may have seen that song or heard that song sung recently. Right? (laughs) Stop it! Okay? The power of the Spirit of God, the love of God, the name of Jesus Christ. Unless we first bind up the strong man, who in this reference, in this example, is the strong man? Yes, Satan himself. Unless we first bind him, we can't go and take what belongs to him what he has laid claim to and and called his own, we can't take that back. So in a sense, when we are trying to reach out to other people, we are trying to take back for the Lord what Satan has called his own. We can't do that unless we first bind up Satan himself. All right? It's as if a robber was coming to your house When you knew that the robber was coming, you would be ready for him, okay? And in this sense, unless the owner of the house is bound up first, the robber can't come in and take what belongs to him. And so, in this reference, the enemy has laid claim to territories, families, and souls, He has said, they belong to me. You cannot have them. You don't have the power to take them from me. Mm, Boy, doesn't that get you going? Yeah? And he's he's drawn a line in the sand, and he says, this belongs to me. So, friends, 
Believers, Christ followers, if we intend to take what belongs to the enemy, we have to first bind him up. Okay? We have to first bind him up in order that we may win and reach those who are being led astray to hell. That's harsh, isn't it? That's harsh. That's harsh stuff. It's as if there is a river that is flooded. And maybe you've seen that with your own eyes. Maybe you've seen it on TV, on a nature program or news program. The flooding and, and how, how this flood just takes houses and it takes land, any trees, anything that's in its path, bridges. And it just tears it down, the power of this flood. And there's all of these people that are being led astray by this flood. And they're all being taken away. But they don't know it. And so we are on the side, the river, the shore, and we're, we're casting out these, these round white things attached to a rope. And we're saying, grab on! Hold on! I'll pull you ashore. Or maybe we're just yelling to them, and you've heard me maybe say this before, swim, friend! Come this way! I'll help you! Paddle harder! (laughs) And so we have the answer. We have what it takes to get them free. We have the answer in our hands, in our grasp. And sometimes we choose not to throw them that lifeline. We're content to be still and be quiet and shout to them from the sidelines, Go! You can do it! You're doing great! Come on! Swim hard! Kick hard! Paddle! Remember that? Paddle! Hold your breath! And they continue to be swept away. They're swept away by the enemy and his lies. And we are content to remain silent instead of throwing them the lifeline of God's word. The good news, the gospel, that's what that means, of Jesus Christ. And his salvation. And the love, the love, you can't explain the love of Jesus Christ. It is overwhelming. It is all-encompassing. And there's no sin that's too great that God's love can't erase. Would you say that with me? Let's say that three times. There's no sin too great that God's love can't erase. There's no sin too great that God's love can't erase. One more. There's no sin too great that God's love can't erase. Take that home with you today. Take that home with you. When you open your mouth... May God's word proceed forth. Paul, in, in one of the uh, books here of the Bible, he, 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 he asks people, please pray for me. Pray also for me that, that when I open my mouth, that I may speak boldly 
and courageously as I should the Word of God. That should be our prayer. That when our mouths open, that political stuff is not the first thing that comes out. Or, you know, these other things. It's so easy, isn't it? You know, where we talk about the weather and things that really are not all that important when it's stood up against the value of a soul. I remember working for Pepsi years ago, and I would have just dozens and dozens of stops every day that I would have to go to. And I would go there, and I'd be, I'd have the machines open. I'd be cleaning and filling and emptying them and things like that. And, and different employees would come up, you know, and we'd, we'd talk. And, and after a while, it got to where we were kind of friends, you know, and they'd come up, I'd buy them a cup of coffee or something, you know, and, and we'd just talk about anything. But every time, I remember kneeling down in the back of my truck every morning before the sun was even up, praying that God would enable me to speak his word to people, that he would provide me with opportunities to show the love of Christ And as I began to pray that prayer, my eyes were opened to the various problems that people were going through in their lives. And so I would would just, you know, ask a simple question, how are you doing? Oh, you know, people want to talk about themselves, you know, and they, some some of them would be like, oh, I'm doing good, you know, and I say, no, really, how are you doing? And they saw that I really cared about what's going on in their lives. Some of them were in the middle of divorce. Some of them were having trouble with their families, some with their jobs. And, and, you know, you fill in the blank. We've all been there. But God provided opportunity after opportunity for me to speak into people's lives. And to plant the seeds. And in the Bible, it, it, it shows the excuse me, (coughs) Jesus tells this story, a parable of a sower, you know, and he's throwing out these seeds all over the place, throwing out these seeds, you know, and some fell along the path and they were trampled, some fell among the thorns and and they didn't make it, and some fell in the shallow soil or among the rocks, you know, they didn't make it, but, but there was a few seeds that sunk into the soil and they began to grow, and those seeds produced a great harvest, up to a hundredfold, okay? And that's really what was happening. Some of the things that I was saying were just in one ear and out the other. But you know what? I believe, as the, the word says there, that my word will not return to me void. But that scripture goes on to say that it will, re- it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent out. Okay, so those seeds are being scattered at the gas station. Those seeds are being scattered at school and at home and in our workplaces and wherever we go. We don't know which ones are going to produce fruit. We don't know which ones are going to cause somebody to, to come to Christ and change their lives for the better forever. We don't know. 
And so we just keep casting out those seeds, planting the seeds and allowing God to water them wherever and whenever he can. Somebody else will come along. Some other believer will say something else to that person. And they begin to recognize, man, really, is God speaking something here to me? You know, I remember last Christmas, not this one that we just passed, but the one before we had given, I had met this guy at um, value or something like that. And uh, I noticed he was limping really bad, you know. And so I just kind of said something to him. I said, hey man, what'd you do to your leg? You know, and he's telling me this story and how bad it was. And he says, I got to have hip surgery. I got a back surgery and I can't work and finances are really tight. I said, oh man, you know, wow, what an opportunity What an opportunity to share hope with somebody, to share love with them, to to share the love of Christ, a life-changing love. And so I just told them a little bit about myself and the struggles I had with my back, all the surgeries and disability and all these things that I had dealt with for 15 years. And his eyes were like, what? You know, and I'm just talking to him just like I'm talking to you right now just in love, just as a friend. And I said, hey, um, we do a little thing at Christmas time. We hand you know, a bunch of Christmas food out to people and give them a bunch of boxes of food. Could you benefit from anything like that? And he says, well, I, mean, I hate to bother you. And I said, man, don't worry about that. We want to help you. We want to love you. And he said, yeah, okay. Yeah, we could. And so I took down his number and we were able to bless him last year and we blessed him again this year. And you never know what opportunities, if you're looking for them, God will bring across your path to share the word of God, to share the hope that is in Christ Jesus. There are so many people that have no hope. They have no hope. Their, their lives are, are shattered because the very thing that they've built their lives on has crumbled. People's marriages crumble because their lives are built on shifting sand, if you will, instead of on the rock of Jesus Christ. People's lives crumble because their, their job, their, their very livelihood was just stripped out from underneath their feet. And all of their plans are thrown out the window. They lose a loved one. That is enough to just shake your world, isn't it? Some of you here have experienced that. That'll shake your world. But even that, if your life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, nothing, nothing, can shake you because your foundation is firm. Friends, I ask you today, what is your life built upon? And in the Bible, you've heard me mention this, the stories that were told about the man that built his house upon the sand. And you know, when you think about it, the sand and close to the beach and you know, that, that sounds like really some palm trees, you know, and your pina coladas and all that stuff. Well, no, we don't do that. Uh, you get me. That sounds like a great place to be, right? 
But when the storms come up, that's the worst place to be. There's no shelter. And when the, the winds blow and the storms come, and the waters and the waves crash against the house that was built on the sand, that house fell with a mighty crash, the Bible says. But the house that's built on a firm foundation, that house will stand no matter what storms come. Okay? Storms in our lives are going to come in some way. That's just life. That's just the way it is. But if your life is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, it does not matter what comes because you will stand. You will stand. Would you stand with me today? I want to give you an opportunity. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) An opportunity to begin the process of building your life on something, on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And that just starts right here at the altar. It's, It's not a far walk. And you're here with family and friends. But I ask you today, what is your life built upon? Is it built upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ so that when the storms come, you're going to stand strong? Or is your life built upon the sand as that person did? They built their life upon the sand. And when those storms came, that person's house, it fell with a mighty crumble. Thank you. you only you can answer that question. The Bible says that now is the time. Today is the day for salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another day. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what today's going to bring. One of the big mistakes that we make in life is that we get up each day thinking that today is going to be pretty much the same as yesterday, and then calamity strikes, and we don't know how to handle it. I don't say these things to scare you. I say these things out of love. I say these things to make you think. I say these things because God, your heavenly father, your daddy, your heavenly daddy is waiting to hold you in his arms and he's waiting to help you. So oftentimes in our life, we hold God out of our lives and especially when things go bad we blame him for stuff that's happened right we blame God for stuff that's happened in our lives it's your fault you didn't save me from all this junk right and all the while God the father is just waiting and he's beckoning us come to me Just come to me. I want to help you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your life. Proverbs, it says, to don't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. God wants to be involved in your life. 
Have you allowed him to do that? I want to invite you as we sing this song, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Lay your burdens. Lay the things that you've been carrying. Lay them down and allow God access to your life.